The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Nancy Mello. Nancy is an animal communicator, medium, and clairvoyant who has worked with pets and people in over 65 countries and found over 121 pets since March of 2020. She has been featured in Cosmopolitan UK, The Washington Post, The Mirror UK, and Dogster Magazine for her work with end-of-life pets. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to dig in as a fellow animal lover and fellow psychic medium. I am just so excited to hear about your experiences and what you have learned by working with animals on the other side, and probably even here on this side too, because I'm sure you can communicate for them, which is oh, fantastic. So without further ado, let's just dive right in and maybe share a little bit about how did you even know you could do this? So I've known from a very young age that I could talk to dead people and animals. However, because I grew up Roman Catholic, it was just completely unheard of. And I guess for me, it was less offensive to say I could talk to dead people as opposed to animals because, you know, dead people, at least there's evidence of that, but there's less, you know, if you look in the scripture, there's less people talking to animals and more people talking to dead. So when I told my mother this when I was six years old, she, of course, freaked out and I was on a bunch of medication, 20, 30 different medications until I was 18. And through all sorts of things. We were kind of laughing in the pre-show, but I think I have had not like a seance, but I've had like people try and release the devil from me. I've had lots of like people trying to like exorcisms. Exorcisms. Thank you. I see. I I don't even recall the word like exorcisms and like people trying to pull, like throwing holy water at me, all this stuff that is really traumatizing for a young person that really just wants it to stop. The, The funny thing is though, is that even with all of the medications I was on and the help that my family tried to give me. It never stopped my abilities. It made my emotions numb. It made 
me a little bit calmer when I became a teenager, but it never fully suppressed them. And that's how I really knew that there was truly a gift. And and there's nothing wrong with medication if you need it. But the challenge was, and this was in the early 80s, we know a lot more about medication now. But in the 80s, it was a lot of just experimental things being thrown at me. And I was given every diagnosis from schizophrenia to bipolar to borderline, everything under the sun that they could think of disassociative, because they could not put a name for what I was experiencing and why I knew certain things in terms of clairvoyance. And it was very scary. I had nuns that I grew up in a small town, actually outside of a small town. I grew up seven miles from a small town of 700 in Northern California. And I recalled the nuns berating me behind my back when I didn't go to service with the catechism or with the youth groups. They would say, stay away from her. She's evil. She's no good. Because It's easy to fear something and not like something that you can't understand or explain. It really wasn't until my late 30s where I had tried to color in the lines for the last time. And I realized that I was just putting on mask after mask. I'm also a military spouse of a U.S. military active duty member, and I didn't want it to affect their career. So I really tried hard to do what was expected of me. I got married. I had kids. Actually, I had a starter marriage first. And then, I, <laughs> and then I got married again to my second husband. So I joke that I had to try out marriage for the first time <laughs> and then realized, okay. And then it was, it, it's just a trial, just a trial. And I yeah. didn't, you know, didn't subscribe, <laughs> didn't want to continue to subscribe. <laughs> yeah. But my second marriage, it's uh, 15 years now. And it's actually the confidence that I've gained in this marriage, in where my spouse, even with what he does for a living, and he's an engineer, he is incredibly smart, and he's very, very rational. He is literally an Eagle Scout. He is so practical. And I remember when we were dating, he was talking about his beloved grandfather, and I started telling him memories that his grandfather had of him. I'm saying, oh, yeah, he did this. And my spouse was like, no, I told you that. Oh, okay. And so that's how it was for the first few years. I would tell him like, hey, I know things. And he'd be like, yeah, okay. We went to buy our first condo and we would be in a place and I'd say, okay, this is what I feel. And he'd be like, ah, and then it would turn out to be true. So after a while, he learned, hey, there's something he said, but I can't explain it. So at first, when I realized I could help other people, because that's what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, at the time, and this is just a few years ago, but there were no other examples of psychics like us. I had the Sylvia Browns. I had the Miss Cleos, right? You had people in the public eye that were very, I want to call them woo-woo, but with no disrespect for woo-woo, because there's a place for woo-woo and kind of the wonderful, beautiful mysticism. But here I was, a mom, a dork that dances in her pajamas, that just sings off key. And I just couldn't relate. And it's funny because when I started doing this professionally and I started opening myself up, I had a military spouse message me and all it said was, it's about time. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And she said, you told me eight years ago that you would never do this because you never wanted to be a crazy psychic. Because again, that's the impression of what people did. And I actually have a picture drawn by da Vinci. It's a very little known picture that he drew in Venice. It's of gypsies trying to pickpocket someone while they're getting their palm read. I happened to see this drawing when my spouse and I were traveling overseas. And it struck me that 
people like this, have, we have been around for hundreds of years. We People have always been here that have known things, that have been able to connect with people that have passed. And through the years, it was easier to call them evil and say they were spouting out horrible things because the church and others couldn't explain it. And so I actually have that image right next to me to remind me that psychics, mediums, clairvoyants, animal communicators, we've always been here. And it's just a matter of being open to it. And the fact that religion and mediumship can go hand in hand. We're not against the other. (laughs) So that's what I really try and do. I call myself an evidential medium because everything I say hopefully can be proven. But it took me gaining the courage to come and I say, take off my mask to really be honest. And I realized that if I didn't take off this mask, I was very, very, very depressed. And I had been suffering from depression and anxiety my entire life. And I realized that if I could help one person, then it would all be worth it. Then the rejection that I was so afraid of, the shame that I had gotten used to feeling, it would be worth it if I could help someone. Actually, I was watching, I'm a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I was watching the latest season. There's a drag racer by the name of Malaysia. She has two other parts of her name, but I just remember the first one right now, Malaysia. And she was talking, there was a uh, the second episode, I believe, they're, they're talking about religion. And Malaysia talked about growing up in the church and how he had a hard time because he was told his entire life that being gay was wrong. But yet he said, but I knew I was gay. And how was it wrong if God created me? How was it wrong? I actually recorded that and put that little part on my TikTok because I was like, that's how I felt. That's what it took for me is realizing. And I remember screaming at God one time in my car, so depressed, sobbing, going, why do I have these abilities? Why me? I hate the attention. (laughs) I'm so afraid of rejection. I'm a complete and utter introvert. That's why I dance with my cats. I am so not who I would think that God would pick to know things. And I realized that it it kind of connected when I saw what Malaysia was saying, that that God knows what they're doing. (sighs) They're going to pick the people. But if I had it, I was supposed to help. And as long as I didn't hurt anyone, as long as I wasn't doing this for ego, which I have to check a lot. Okay. Am I doing this because I want to? Am I doing this because it's fulfilling a need in me, which I definitely am aware of. As long as I'm doing this to help and not hurt, then I will continue to do it. And it truly is, I describe it similar to someone going into a priesthood or the clergy. I consider it a calling. This is truly my calling. I don't have a choice in doing this. I have felt led. It took a lot of heartache and a lot of unpleasant experiences to get here. But it gained me the empathy of being able to sit in a space with my clients and truly empathize with them. And I know that I will be doing this for the rest of my life because I'm helping people with my abilities. And that's all I can do. And if someone doesn't believe, that's okay. There's no judgment from my end. There's no, you need to believe what I'm saying or else, none of that. And if someone says, oh, you're wrong, I say, okay. It's okay. It's okay to have a different opinion. 
and I welcome it. I welcome a conversation. But if you're just going to spout Bible verses at me and call me an abomination, that's clearly not a conversation. But if you're open to it, and that's what I love about my spouse, is that here he came from a very Episcopal background, very rigid, very military. And how he reasons it is, well, we can't prove what you do yet. But he believes that science is catching up to that and that there is a way to explain, which I love to think of it as, is that there's a beautiful mix of religion and science, and it really can coexist. Very beautiful. I can relate with so much of what you said. I love that you brought up Sylvia Brown because she was the first psychic medium whose books I read back in the 90s who helped me launch my first spiritual awakening. I say I have two. Just so many things that I can relate with. I don't have to repeat it because you said it so lovely. One thing that I did want to comment on, and I'm so glad that you brought it up, was the fact that you're like, I'm this introvert. Like, I want to be at home with my animals. (laughs) I totally get that. And I had a guest who came on and she said the most amazing thing to me. And it made so much sense. And I feel like I've heard it in many ways. You mentioned a version of this, but she said that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the mm, call. That's beautiful. And I feel like that's exactly that's what's happening, beautiful. right? That's exactly what it is. It's like, well, who am I? Well, I, I mean, I must be malleable or I must be somebody who's willing to eventually, after the kicking and screaming, accept what's going on here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just put myself out there. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And I think what's Completely. so fantastic is that the people like you, people like me and other psychic mediums that I've met who are really down to earth and they're living life like normal. They're not woo-woo daily life. Yeah, they may be constantly connected, but they still have carpools and they still have jobs. And so I love that. And I think because of that, and more of us are talking about that, and here we are having these conversations that that's probably why another reason why there are so many more psychic mediums out there, because now it's like, okay, I think. I feel like there is more that I've come across. It could be because I'm just now in that... (laughs) industry. And so I just see them more and I connect with them more. And I'm, you know, I learn and again connect. But I do feel like, and, per, and again, it could be because of social media and there's just, the world's getting smaller. So we're finding each other more that way. Okay. This is fantastic. So how did all of this turn into connecting with animals and all the great work that you do with animals? Truly, I was led. I really believe, and it sounds so cheesy, but I really believe that I am meant to connect with whoever I'm meant to talk to. And it started with just being open and hearing animals. It started with a dog that I was on a flight with, a service dog that comforted me as I was panicking during turbulence. It's so funny because people think, oh, you're psychic. You can't be afraid of the plane or you can't be afraid. And I am like the most terrified, or at least I used to be. I'd like so ter- I'd be holding on. But it was actually a service dog that like I had had about five drinks before the plane. I wouldn't recommend it, but the plane kept being delayed. And I was just like, I didn't have my kids. So moms of young kids, you can relate when you are away from your kids. You're just like 20 years old again, wanting to just- It doesn't matter where you are. You're just like, yes, I am in an airport. Yes, I will have that extra white claw. Uh, yes, because I've got a five hour plane ride. Like, so yeah, so I'm on the plane and I'm we hit turbulence, which is turbulence is perfectly safe. Yet terrible. So I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah, And I just froze up and the service dog's owner was fast asleep. And 
I'll never forget the dog pawed me. And because I had been working all weekend, I had been doing sessions in Chicago. I looked over and without even thinking about it, I said in my head, as you would communicate, what? I just said, what? You know? And the dog said, let me help you. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I knew I had these abilities, but it's another thing to like hear it. And I was like, what the hell? And the dog pawed me again and says, you need to sleep. And I'm like, really? Really? I look over. I had a friend that had come with me. She's passed out. The dog owner's passed out. And I hear the dog say again, pause me again. It's a little chihuahua. And I happen to have a picture of her. I don't know. It must be, again, this wonderful way the universe works. I happen to take a picture of this dog because I was sharing it with someone. But the dog said, put your head down on the tray table. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. So I put my head down. The dog puts its paw on my head. Scrooge is over. I told the story on TikTok and people were analyzing it. And they were like, how did the dog put his paw on your head if it was a chihuahua from the owner? And I'm like, it scooted all the way down the owner's lap. I can't make this up. Put its paw on my head. I have never slept on a plane before. And it said, you need to sleep. Literally, I was out. Next thing I know, I'm waking up and I look up and the dog owner's awake and looking out the window and I look at the dog and the dog is like very, like very proud of itself like this. It was soon after that I was talking to a friend and I heard her dog in the background. Oh, she and I just offhand. And this is how I joke that before I started doing this professionally, it was a great way to get cute boys to kiss me. I would just say, hey, I can tell you about your grandfather. Hey, I can tell you to do this in a professional sense. It's, it's very different because, again, you're you're more serious. So I would always do it as a party trick for my friends even. So I was talking to my friend on the phone and I said, oh, she wants the small dog treats on top of the refrigerator. Now, this was another military spouse about 500 miles away. I'd never seen her house. And she's like, Nancy, the dog treats are on top of the refrigerator and they're the shape that I described. And I was like, oh, okay. At the time, I'd been working just as a medium and a clairvoyant because, again, I, while I knew I had these abilities to speak with animals, I don't honestly think I understood the gravity of it. I didn't understand not so much the demand, but what impact I could make. Because I was still like you in your spiritual awakening. It was like, it's little baby steps, right? You can't just jump in the deep end of the pool. So I was like, okay, I'll be open as a clairvoyant. Okay, I'll be open as a medium. And then this came. And soon after, I was literally and figuratively called by an acquaintance that her dog was passing. And wanted to know what she had to say. And I'll never forget, I forget the dog breed. I'm horrible with dog breeds, but uh, she's a beautiful dog named Cleo. And she said she wanted to watch the shorebirds. She wanted to run by the shore and she described the exact beach. And the owner was like, oh my God, that's where we go every day. Again, this is an acquaintance. I've never seen her house. I've never seen where she walks. It was at that time I started discovering that animals have bucket lists. Soon after that, I actually got to go over and sit with Cleo right before she passed. And there were all these special things that happened at the time that she passed. A day later, Cleo's owner sees Cleo in a dream. And Cleo shows her like a movie screen and points at it and says, you'll see my name. My name's going to be out there. They're going to know my name. And so she happens to say it because she's like, I think it has something to do with you. I believe it was about a year later that Dogster Magazine called me up and said, would you like to be featured talking about end of life? And I said, of course, I'd be honored. And I talked about Cleo and Cleo's name is in Dogster Magazine in the December, January 2022 issue. So Cleo's name is there. 
It's fascinating because Cleo, and again, we joke, you know, as psychics, as mediums, we're not ever psychic about ourselves, right? But the dog was clearly telling her owner, no, 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 she's going to do it. She's going to honor me. But at the time you're like, what are you? You know what? It's like, you know, so I'm honored every time I get to say her name, because if it wasn't for Cleo, I wouldn't be here because she truly changed the way I looked at things. She helped me believe, truly. I always knew that animals passed on with us. If you are a fan of Sylvia Brown, she has this wonderful joke and she says it, which is when we pass, we'll be greeted by all of our loved ones, but all of our pets and all of our pets, not just from this lifetime, but from every lifetime will run to greet us and practically run over our loved ones. Now, yep. I've always known this. I've had yeah. faith in this. Yes. But yes. to see it firsthand from Cleo and the things that she told me on the day she passed and the things that I saw... And then after Cleo, it was one more and one more and one more. And now I work with end of life pets at least three or four a week that I'm helping animals cross over. Again, I'm very evidential. So when I see things in a beautiful pattern fall every single time in some shape or form, you go, this is not just faith. This is becoming fact, at least for me. And so for animals, animals pass over very similar to humans. The only difference is that I've found in animals is that animals, when they pass, they have no fear. There's nothing to hold on to because they have such a beautiful self-awareness that life doesn't end for them, that this goes on. Whereas I feel like with people, especially those of us that maybe aren't that we don't have that faith or that belief that in life after this, that we really will grip on and to hold on with all of our might. But with animals, it's this beautiful, just letting go. And even in the most tragic situations, it's this beautiful acceptance. And they just hands up. And there's always someone that just like with people, there seems to be animals that will surround them before they pass if there's enough time. They will start seeing their animals. I'll see their moms, their dads. I once was speaking with a squirrel. The squirrel had fallen out of a tree and lost her mom. I did not know this. The family had saved the squirrel, raised it in the house because it could no longer be outside. And later the squirrel passes and the squirrel described its mom, who they had seen pass. And it was in detail. Now you're going to say, oh, it's a squirrel. Squirrels all look the same. Eh, They have little identifying marks. So... It's things like that, that you go, this is real. So they will have animals that they knew in life and animals also connected to you. So if they do have a family, if they're not squirrels or rabbits or whatever, if they, if rabbits outside, I should say, if they do have a family, then it's also people that were connected to you. And this goes for anyone, even animals in the shelter, any animal, they are always greeted by people. Now, from what I understand and what I've heard is, let's say you have, unfortunately, animals that have to be put down in the shelter that have no home. There are volunteers, just like there are volunteers here. There are volunteers on that plane at home in heaven that will walk over animals. If there's no one in their life that they were touched by a human, they have human volunteers and they're still not afraid. It's like, okay, I'm done. And they are greeted by loving people. Animals can do the same things we can do at home. A lot of animals will describe, especially if they've had arthritis or they haven't been able to run or walk, a lot of them are just running. So if you had a dog that 
would just do sprints or a little, what do you call it? Um, zoomies or something. Zoomies <laughs> Crazy around runs. the house. That's what they're doing at home. That's number one, they are running. Let's say you threw away their favorite green and red ball when they were five years old. They remember that ball and they will show me that ball in a session and say, I found my ball. So if your pet had a favorite toy, you better believe that they have it there. Now, if it's not the physical toy that we know physical, but it is in energy. And this is as real as you and I talking right now. They are alive just in a different energy state, but they can see, they can hear, they can smell, they can do everything. They are free. I hope that's very comforting to those of us who have lost pets and who maybe have those questions. That's fantastic. Thank you. I'm curious from all the readings that you've done, what are some of the signs that pets tend to leave their loved ones here in the physical? And what are some examples of ways that they have visited their loved ones from the other side? So it varies as it does for people. This morning, I was speaking with someone that the dog kept showing me a bird, a bird had flown in her house. It was like a small bird flew in your house. And sure enough, a few days after her dog had passed, a hummingbird had flown in. She had moved and she happens to park where somehow there are hummingbirds in this garden right by where she parks her car. And so she's seeing all the, as these hummingbirds are around her. So it could be as beautiful and as simple. A lot of times animals will use birds, but I've seen everything from a lot of times they'll do uh, a lot of dogs and cats will do footprints. They'll do paw prints. I had another beautiful story of a paw print that the dog left in milk, in their like milk foam. A lot of times you'll see them in dreams is probably the most common. And a lot of times, unfortunately, people will doubt that. They'll go, oh, it's not them. It's just my imagination. And what I say is that if it's a beautiful dream, if it's not harmful, if it's just them, trust that they're going to come to you with love. And if you feel that, I would trust it. And worst case, if it turns out not to be them and you go home, a long time from now and you say, hey, were you in that dream? And they go, that wasn't me. You know, you haven't lost anything. So dreams is probably the most common. You will also see them out of the corner of your eye. And another really common one that I haven't experienced yet is you'll actually feel them jump up on the bed, feel them jump up on something. And I hear that can be very unnerving because you're like, what the hell was that? Of course, any of these things, whether it's seeing them out of the corner of their eye, feeling them jump up or a dream, it's going to go like that. And I joke that it's always going to be a split second because if it was any longer, we'd all be jumping off bridges. <laughs> like if they were here for like five minutes and they're like, mom, it's me. I'm here. Look at all this beautiful stuff. It's me. You can touch me. You can feel me. We'd be all like, nope, I'm done. I'm done. You know, so they're going to give you a split second, just like with people. But honestly, the signs are so varied. So what I say is trust it. And don't look for the sign. Don't go. Okay. Is that it? Is that <laughs> That's it? Good advice. I've had animals mess with electronics. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, because it, it, you can't like, so I'll give you an example from my personal life. So I lost my beloved cat who I had been with, my adult cat. He survived my first marriage and he came into my second. And I had a friend once joked that he had more frequent flyer miles than some people because he was moving all over because we were military. <laughs> and he passed a few years ago and he was always right by my side at night. And I got one sign just after he passed when I was taking him home, all of the lights in my car dimmed, nothing since. And I'm an animal communicator. And last spring I was driving down to do sessions in Kentucky and I'm up in New England and Connecticut. And I stopped over in Pennsylvania for the night and I had a friend that came with me and 
the next day we're driving on again. And my friend said, there was an orange cat on your bed last night. And I was like, what? An orange cat? And I said, oh, well, I know it wasn't a ghost. Now we had stayed at this old 18th century hotel. So I, it, you know, it very, I, the first thing I thought was, is it a ghost? Wasn't a ghost. And she's like, no. And I said, well, maybe it was one of yours. And she said, no, I don't think it was one of yours. She said, but I heard it meowing. And she said, I thought you were doing sessions. I thought you were doing something on your phone. And she said, so I looked over and you were asleep. And then she said she closed her eyes and she saw a beautiful orange tabby laying next to me. And so as I'm driving, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I stopped the car and I show her the picture of my cat. And I said, is this who you saw? And she said, yes. Oh, I just got chills. That's amazing. So he knew, but just like me, right, just like I'm looking, he knew he couldn't get through me. And this is another thing that will happen. Sometimes your pets will send signs to other people to give to you. So if you're too deep in grief, actually, this happened just a couple of days ago to another client where it actually came through to her mom. Her mom had the dream and she was so crushed. Why didn't he come to me? And I said, because you're grieving. If you're grieving, it's so hard to get through. But just like my cat knew that because I'm sensing that he wasn't going to get through to me. So he came through, but it was beautiful because it was one of my first times that I had left my family pre-COVID, since COVID, and I was traveling and I always called him my protector. So here we were traveling in the middle of nowhere, staying for the night, and he was showing her like, hey, I'm watching you. That's so wonderful. So that'll happen as well. But it's just like with people, it can vary. But what I would say is keep them in your heart, but go about your daily stuff. It'll happen when it's meant to happen. And I hate saying that, but in other words, we can't control it because if we try and control it, it's not going to happen. That's why I think animals and people like electronics so much because that's one thing we can't control. Even like while I was just talking about my cat, your screen went blank. It's just like that, how we can't control that. And that'll happen a lot of times during sessions. We'll be talking about someone. I once, I was actually speaking to a person, a mom, and she said, I don't want to talk about that. And we kept talking about it. She literally kicked us both out of the Zoom. Same thing for people. Same thing for pets, though. So pets will show us signs, just like I assume that was my cat that just did that to your screen (laughs) where I'm talking about him and I'm saying he doesn't show signs and then he turns off the screen. (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. I love it because that validated for me, too. I lost my yellow lab buddy almost a couple of years ago now, and I felt that hummingbirds were from him. So that validated for me. So thank you so much. And it's funny because I just was talking to someone this morning about it. And that was the first thing that popped in my mind. So it must have been for you. You get it, though. You just get random things. And you're like, I'm supposed to say this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know who puts it there. Yes, I know. "Hmm, Well, that's partly why I'm so excited to talk with you. And I wear this every day. But this is my necklace to commemorate my two pups, Buddy and Cody, who passed over the last couple of years. My two labs, a yellow and a black. No, that was definitely from them. Oh, that's so good. Any opportunity that I get to... To like talk about maybe what they're experiencing based on other stories. I'm just so excited. But it's hard yeah. because as mediums, people think that we're psychic about ourselves, that we have like, you know, and I joke that my husband's still waiting for us to win the lottery. We are absolutely not psychic about ourselves. I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, like I just got over the flu a few weeks ago, would not recommend, please get your flu shot. And I was in a meditation and someone came to me. So actually when I'm sick, I will feel people. But other than that, 
I don't feel people for me personally. It's not like, hey, grandma, can you help me out here? Like it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So Buddy was kind of like my dog. He came with me into the marriage. And so when he passed, I was in very deep grief. And my husband was the one to have the dream about him, heard him walking down the hallway. And I had that thought like, well, I want him to visit Mm -hmm. me too. So that's exactly what Mm -hmm. happened was that I was just way too deep in grief. And my husband was able to open up enough, I guess, for him to say that, hey, I'm here, I'm still visiting. So, And that's absolutely okay. I think the important thing is really to not take it personally. It's not like they love you any less if someone else gets a sign. It's how can I reach them? If anything, it's a testament to how much and how deeply they love you because they're trying other outlets. Similar to how when we hear things, we will get pings all over the place. Hey, say this, say this. So it's very similar. (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. That just warms my heart so much. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the work that you do for helping find missing pets. How does that work? Honestly, I don't know. I just say words and it turns out to be correct. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Okay. So like the person who's missing a pet will reach out to you and say, Mm -hmm. look, we're missing our cat or dog or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then you just Mm -hmm. tune in and see what you can find and yeah yeah and I found a mini mule I have found donkeys I think I found two goats now the goats one are pretty funny the goats are hysterical but for future reference if anyone has a goat on the loose don't chase them they will run and these guys can run there was one goat that was missing in I believe it was Massachusetts and the goat kept telling me tell them not to chase me, tell them not to chase me. And a half hour later, I get this photo of a state or not a state trooper, like a county sheriff or whatever, because this goat was crossing town lines. And the sheriff or the whatever the cop is trying to go after him. And this goat is like, uh uh-uh. Uh-uh. Like, no. Like trying to chase a chicken. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Goats are hysterical. I love working with goats. So what I do, I always, the first thing I always ask is, are you alive? Are you alive? Are you hurt? I can tell if they're alive or not based on the images they're giving me. Animals that are alive will show me a current area. They'll give me sounds. Water running. They will show hurt. Maybe their paws are hurting. They will give me words. So for instance, I'm working with a missing pet down south right now. And I kept hearing grace or gray, gray, grace. I kept saying and I kept hearing it. And we're looking on Google Maps and it was the name of a point on Google. And we're like, okay. So it's stuff like that. So I will hear numbers as well. And I will hear words. But the first thing I always say is, are you alive? Animals that are past will generally talk about the past and show past memories. And so sometimes I'll be speaking with a client and they'll say, oh, that happened. That's always a clue. Like, okay. So I'll make sure they're safe and I'll make sure what state they're in. And then honestly, depending on the type of animal, sometimes I just try and reason with them. Statistically, I have found more cats than anything else. Cats, surprisingly, can be reasoned with. (laughs) Cats are stubborn. So there was a cat in Connecticut a couple summers ago, and there was a thunderstorm coming. And this cat had been out two days. And we knew where this cat was. It was just a couple streets down in Connecticut. It's beautiful, but you've got these wonderful, narrow, windy roads and stuff. And the cat, like we knew where the cat was. He described a house that was just a ways over and there was a thunderstorm coming. And I was just like, okay, because we kept trying to get this cat to come back. And the cat's like, no, I don't want to come back. And finally, I was like, okay, look, because cat hated being wet. And I was like, it's going to be pouring rain and wind. So you've got an hour to come back. So do animals tell time? Not 
really, they can tell by the passing of a day, but somehow this is translated. (laughs) And I said, you have an hour. When the sun goes down, it's going to start raining. It's going to be very wet and windy. And sure enough, 15 minutes later, I get a text with the cat standing outside the door, just like, I'm done. (laughs) But the cat listened. The cat didn't want to be outside in the rain. So a lot of times it's just saying, okay, where are you? Depending on what their trigger is, the dog I'm working with now down south was chased. When animals are chased, it always just makes it scared because then they stop trusting humans. Mm. So this dog's case I'm working with right now, I'm encouraging it to go to another animal. We've had other dogs been found at, uh, they'll go to a goat farm or they'll go to where the animals are. Farms, a lot of lost animals will end up finding their way to a farm because there's food, there's shelter, there's relative safety. And they can kind of get lost in all of the equipment and the barn area. There'll be a lot of animals that tend to go over there. So I'm just getting information like this, a red barn, a red shed. This is what it looks like. This is how it's broken down. This is the direction. And so what I will do is I will, without Googling anything first, I will just type everything out. This is exactly what I see. This is what I hear, see, feel, smell, If they're eating, do they see people around? Is there water? So I go through all of that. I ask for the specific address the pet was lost and also where there were any sightings. And then I will go to Google. I will put those points in and match it up with what I heard in my head. And we will create a graph essentially for them to go check. There was a cat missing for a couple of months I don't know where, I think Florida. And essentially I gave the owner a graph in like a four by four. And I said, this is where the cat is. And sure enough, that's where they, and so they had been targeting a different area. So they just put flyers out in that area. And sure enough, a week later, the cat was found. I mean, that's a needle in a haystack. You can't just make that up. <laughs> that's why. And so if you're watching on the <laughs> video, amazing. I have like pictures all over in the back of some of the animals I found. So, and that's what led to me being featured in the Washington Post. I mean, rightfully so. Is the story. Wow. And actually that's Willow. The one that was in the Washington Post is right behind. That's Willow and her owner. I'm happy to do it. But frankly, I don't know how I do it. Like it's not, (laughs) I just hear things and I just became known for it. And I just, I I don't know. (laughs) I just quiet my mind. I don't meditate though. I just kind of go, okay. And I talk to it. That's so wonderful. I'm grateful. I'm a big overthinker. And I had a wonderful therapist for years. Unfortunately, she retired to Mexico. But she would tell me for years, you need to meditate. You need to meditate. And I'd be like, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. So I started doing this. And she asked me again, you need to meditate. And I finally said, Suzanne, I meditate when I'm working. And it stopped her. And she's like, I bet you do. And I do. This is my Zen time. When I'm talking to you, when I'm sensing, I am all in. I can't hear my kids scream. They will. I can't hear the smoke detector go off. It has. I will not hear anything around me. I am hyper-focused, as they would say in an ADHD term. I am hyper-focused. And it is very meditative for me where my brain just shuts off. So... When I say I don't know how I do it, I'm I'm being very honest. I just tune out and I don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out how I do it. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, I think studies have been done on mediums where they keep track of their brain Mm -hmm. waves as they work. And Mm -hmm. that's what they see is that Mm -hmm. they do get in the same state as like sleep or meditation when they tune in. 
So one of the most popular professions that I work with, surprisingly, is doctors and nurses and also therapists. And when I talk to someone with a specialty, a neurologist, an oncologist, I always have to pick their brain right back. I talk with a lot of vets. And anyway, so I spoke with a legit brain surgeon, like she title brain surgeon. And so much so she's like, yeah, it's easy. But someone finds it easy. But I remember it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but she was just very nonchalant, just very like, oh, yeah, like I can do it in my sleep. Awesome. So I, of course, I had to ask her at the end. And I, of course, thanked her for being open to this. And I had to ask her, I was like, how do you make sense of this? First of all, thank you. But how do you make sense of this? And she stopped and she was very plain. And she said, do you know that we only understand five to 10% of the brain? She said, people don't really understand that. She said, the brain is the most misunderstood. Yeah, they have no idea. She said, we still have no idea. And her theory was that everyone used to be able to do this and that it was instinct-based. So during hunter-gatherer days, we used to all be able to do this and that's how we survived. It was for survival. And over time, as we became more into towns and farmers and turned into hunter-gatherers, whatever, switching into that, into farming and towns and stuff, that we stopped needing that ability. And she truly believed that it's just an unaccessed part of our brain that we all have. Mm-hmm. I do, and I think as a lot of people believe that there is a genetic component, it can be challenging to see if it's genetic because, you know, it is so hush-hush, but I do have lineage on both sides that even though it's hush-hush there, I had a, my great-great-grandfather was a doctor and he got very sick until he was healed during like a healing prayer. And he ran one of the biggest faith healing churches actually in L.A., his name was Dr. Yoakum, and he believed he could heal by prayer. So it's fascinating. So what you would say prayer then, is it intuition? Is it healing by hands? I mean, we could get into that. And that's just one little faucet. So if you have genetic lineage, and then you understand, if you innately have that in you, and I know like, for my family, it's terrifying. I know, when I was 18, my mom's sister pulled me aside and said, you know, I have that ability too, but I just don't talk about it. So like, for instance, my mom has the ability, I'm almost positive, but she is so terrified of it because she was raised Catholic because she wants to color in the lines and that's what she's comfortable with. So you have a lot of that, especially in very traditional families where this was something that maybe you wouldn't reveal ever in your lifetime. I have another great grandmother who was an immigrant from the Azores, and I know that she was intuitive, A, because she visited me and started speaking to me in Portuguese one time when I had 105 degree fever, and B, because Uh she actually went back to the Azores. She lost a child here, and she thought the United States was absolutely cursed, and she had this feeling about the baby. She went back to the Azores to have a child because she had such strong premonitions. So it's beautiful. And I think all of us, if we look, and I know genealogy is very big Mm -hmm. right now. I think if we look back at our genealogy, we will see a lot of our great grandparents have those similar stories where your great grandmother just had a feeling and she moved away. She went somewhere else. Now you can call it having a feeling then, or you could say I had a premonition, but a lot of this was just done. You didn't question it. You just had a bad feeling. You you went back on the boat. (laughs) And back then you would reason it cursed or, you know, lots of other unfortunate names. But I think we all have the abilities. 
I love that. Yeah, I've heard that too, where we do not use nearly the full amount of uh, capability that our brains are capable of. So I've definitely heard that as well. So I'm curious, Nancy, are there other psychic mediums out there that are doing work with helping find missing pets? Because frankly, I haven't heard too much about that until you and it's just amazing the work that you do. Thanks so much. Yes. And there are animal communicators that work with missing pets besides myself. And I actually, I believe it's on my website, uh, nancymello.com. I have a checklist of what to look for when you are looking for a missing pet. And I know that's probably the last thing on your mind when you are looking for your missing pet. The first thing I would caution you on is when you message anyone, please don't tell them that you will offer them whatever they want. Please don't offer to pay them double. Don't offer them any sort of money because anyone that is willing to take you up on that is being disingenuous, first and foremost. And also don't tell them you're desperate. Again, you want to remain in control. Second of all, I want you to look at their reviews. First, Google them. I want you to see what their track record is. And this is also, again, on my website, and I believe it's like a PDF file, but don't be afraid to ask them, what is your track record? How many animals have you found? How long does it usually take? If I need a follow-up, can I have a follow-up? How long does it usually take to get a follow-up booked? Am I allowed to contact you outside of business hours? Will I be able to ask questions if I think of it? What are the boundaries in place? And a reputable animal communicator will be able to tell you right away approximately how many pets they've found, approximately how long it takes. They will be able to answer all these things pretty quickly. It's like I'm a big fan of watching The Circle. If anyone's watched The Circle and you see this dot, 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 and they're just sitting here going, what's taking so long? You don't want someone that's going to wait forever to answer that. It's going to be very quick. Like I can tell you off the top of my head, I have found over 120 animals. I have found more cats and dogs. I have found a mini mule. I have found a donkey. I have found two ghosts. Like I could tell you this in rapid succession. I can tell you that I have 235 five-star Google reviews. I can tell you that if you contact me within a couple hours of your pet missing statistically, I will be able to find them. We're talking 75% if we can chat. But it's... <laughs> If I'm not dealing with my crazy kids, my crazy spouse that's now currently home, if you're able to get in and they're just missing, statistically, my track record is pretty good. But they would be able to tell you that right away. If they can't, or if they tell you you're not supposed to know, or they kind of turn it back on you, run like beat around the, the other bush. way. Yeah. The main thing I would suggest you do, and this is for any animal communicator or medium, Google them. Google is your best friend. Have they been written about anywhere? Have they been featured? Have other people been talking about them? You want someone that is known. This is a psychic and animal communicator is no different than a plumber you would hire. And the thing that happens, and I know this from having my own dog loss for eight days a few years ago, is you are in such a sense of panic and your adrenaline is up here that it's very hard for you to think logically. It's very hard for you to go, okay, I need to take these steps. If you do, statistically, the chance of you finding your animal skyrockets. However, if you just say, I'll take the first one that talks to me, unfortunately, this is where I really caution people that you will get taken advantage of. You will get people that it's the same ones that message you and say, would you like a reading? These are the people that will take your money and run. And unfortunately, statistically speaking, it can be difficult. That's why you want someone that is recommended. You want someone 
that people are talking about. And it's not because you want them to be insta famous or whatever. It's not about that. I'm going to quote Sylvia Brown. And Sylvia Brown said, a good psychic doesn't need to advertise. I know Sylvia Brown wasn't alive as Google. I mean, she was, but not like as Google exploded. And I like to kind of add on to that. A good psychic, you should be able to Google. You should be able to find out about without too much trouble. Like, for instance, if you Google Nancy Mello, you will see that I've been in the Washington Post. My website pops up right away. My reviews, a good animal communicator doesn't have anything to hide behind. And so with missing pets, as panicky as you are, the first thing is don't panic. And the second thing is you have a lot of the power within you, a lot of power to help find your pet. I remember when my dog was missing, I remember I could connect with her and I could feel where she was. She wasn't ready to come home. <laughs> She's lab and she was like, Rah! she was a runner. She was Logan's run. She was the runner. No, but you have a lot of power inside of you. I had one client that had booked with me to find his missing pet. And while he was waiting for the session, he meditated and he meditated and he visioned the dog walking through the door and no kidding, 30 minutes, the dog walked through the door. Our mind, it's so powerful. And again, a reputable animal communicator is going to tell you these things. They're going to tell you this is what you can do to help. And it's always <sighs> focus on your breathing. You picture them in your mind. You close your eyes. You say their name. Generally, you can ask, are you safe? Or you can ask, where are you? Trust the answer that's given. I remember when I was first finding missing pets, there was one dog and he kept saying vine. He kept saying vine, vine, vine. His owners went out to look and he was found on Vine Street. <laughs> I thought it was actual vines, but it's so close your eyes. And if something comes to you, something I say, the more ridiculous, the more I would trust it. Trust that and focus on that and go with that. But you have the power within you. I think a lot of people you know, and you'll say this, I'll put all my hope in you. Please don't do that. I don't work well under pressure. I don't do well when someone says you are my only hope. No, 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 no. Because when I work with you, I'm going to ask you to do some of the work. I can tell you what I see, but I still need you out there looking. I still need you out there putting signs up. I'm good, but I cannot. And I've tried, believe me, I have tried <laughs> physically picking up a cat that was out in the desert to bring it back. I can't physically <laughs> right. do that. But you can. You can. You have boots on the ground. Utilize animal communicators as a resource, but we're not the only resource. Another thing you can do is Google your state and look for dog recovery. So for where I am in Connecticut, there is a wonderful dog recovery organization. Massachusetts, there's a dog recovery organization. So you should be able to, if you're in California, just put in California dog recovery. There are generally volunteer organizations out there that do this. And I work hand in hand with some of them when I have the time. Again, these are other resources that you can do. To be honest, the dog recovery organization, CT Dog Gone Rescue, is what helped get Abby back because she was not wanting to come. We had literally just adopted her an hour before she went missing and we had to trap her. But I only could take my abilities so far. And they were the ones that did amazing and they were the boots on the ground for me. They kept me sane. As an animal communicator, I can help you and tell you they're safe. But unfortunately, I can't hold your hand 24-7. And that's where the other resources come in. So that's another thing with your expectations. If you find an animal communicator that's trustworthy, you can trust that what they're hearing is going to lead you down a good path. But you've also got to connect with others in your community to help. 
And I'm sorry, that's a little long winded, but that's just my experience of everything that I've seen in the last few years working with missing pets. No, I think that's fine. I think that that's really good advice. And I think that's really important that you share it because you're right. If someone loses a pet, they're in panic mode. They aren't really thinking clearly. Emotions take over. So I think that's fantastic that you are able to share all of that. So thank you so much. And just to confirm, can you share your website again that has that checklist on there? Sure. It's nancymello.com, N-A-N-C-Y-M-E-L-L-O.com. Also on my TikTok, it's just nancy.mello, N-A-N-C-Y.M-E-L-L-O. I do have a playlist on missing pets. Uh, I have some found stories, but also things that you can do in the moment. And they're little TikToks, but there are stuff like quieting your mind, et cetera. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like I could talk to you forever, but I wanted to ask you quickly before we start to wrap up our interview, what about when wild animals cross over? Have you come across that at all or been told what happens with them? Who greets them on the other side? How's the transition like? So... It was just like I described earlier, where we Uh, have volunteers at home or in heaven that will walk them over. So there is a wonderful, I mean, I can say wonderful, but a group of people. Wild animals are really, I want to say unique, but they're not that (laughs) unique. Wild animals, because it's so instinct-based, it does seem to be just, again, an understanding of when they pass, they pass. It's not fear the way you think of fear. Like when a wild animal is fear-based, it's I am being watched, I am this. But when they pass, there's nothing of the sort. It's just I'm gone. It's very easy for them to pass. I think, in fact, easier than pets because pets, while they pass without question, there can be an emotional component that you will see. Oh, I tried to hang on for you. I did this. But wild animals, it's beautiful. They just release. And there are people that greet them. And again, they have their family members because you still have family units and all animals are connected to their family. All animals have some connection with it. But I've talked with everyone from fish to snails to turtles, lizards, snakes, tarantulas. They all have a connection. They all feel it innately. And that connection, when they pass, they are greeted by those that they feel a connection with. What about animals like (laughs) roadkill, ones that have been hit on the road and you see them laying there on the side? I always feel so much like sadness and I feel terrible when I see a dead animal on the side of the road. So if they were killed instantly for them, is it just like business as usual on the other side? Is that transition so fast or... I hate to say this, but I assume, well, let me see. I have spoken to people that have passed in car accidents. What I'm connecting it to is people that are in car accidents where it's like one minute you're here, next minute you're not. It's very, I have talked to pets that have been hit by cars and it's very, occasionally, again, they will try and if there's any chance they can hang around, they, they do try. These are pets, but with wild animals that are hit, they're gone instantly. Even if they're, let's say, you know, uh, and and I'll compare this to New England because that's where I am. You'll have a lot of deer or hopefully not elk or, you know, you'll have moose. Moose are are pretty deadly up here. Their heart might be beating, but they're, they're gone. God is not going to allow them to be like, no, 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 your heart's still beating. You need to stay there in the middle of the road. Feel no, every no, broken no. bone. Yeah, them. exactly. Okay. 
That's fantastic. But again, in that sense, it's very similar to people. I think there is a misconception that we are different than animals in that Mm -hmm. sense. But in fact, very, very similar. That's so nice. Well, Nancy, I want to thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge, sharing your stories and for being that voice and that bridge for humans and animals with the physical and spirit. And I'm so grateful to you for having that courage, despite the difficulties that you had younger, to follow that calling because it's so important for spirit to have advocates on this side. And so I want to just thank you again for that courage and thank you for your time tonight. Thank you so much for having me. And that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, love and light always. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.